Section 11 of Lourdes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Lourdes by Emile Zola. Translated by Ernest Vizitelli. The Third Day. 1. Bed and Board. At seven o'clock on the morning of that fine, bright, warm August Sunday, Monsieur de Gersin was already up and dressed in one of the two little rooms which he had fortunately been able to secure on the third floor of the Hotel of the Apparitions. He had gone to bed at eleven o'clock the night before, and had awoke feeling quite fresh and gay. As soon as he was dressed he entered the adjoining room which Pierre occupied, but the young priest, who had not returned to the hotel until past one in the morning, with his blood heated by insomnia, had been unable to doze off until daybreak and was now still slumbering his cassock flung across a chair his other garments scattered here and there testified to his great weariness and agitation of mind come come you lazy bones cried m de garcin gaily can't you hear the bells ringing pierre awoke with a start quite surprised to find himself in that little hotel room into which the sunlight was streaming all the joyous peals of the bells the music of the chiming happy town moreover came in through the window which he had left open we shall never have time to get to the hospital before eight o'clock to fetch marie resumed monsieur de garcin for we must have some breakfast eh of course make haste and order two cups of chocolate i will get up at once i shan't be long replied pierre in spite of the fatigue which had already stiffened his joints he sprang out of bed as soon as he was alone and made all haste with his toilet However, he still had his head in the washing-basin, ducking it into the fresh, cool water, when M. de Gersin, who was unable to remain alone, came back again. "'I've given the order,' said he. "'They will bring it up. Ah, what a curious place this hotel is. You have, of course, seen the landlord, Master Majesté, clad in white from head to foot and looking so dignified in his office. The place is crammed, it appears. They have never had so many people before. So it is no wonder that there should be such a fearful noise.' i was woke up three times during the night people kept on talking in the room next to mine and you did you sleep well no indeed answered pierre i was tired to death but i couldn't close my eyes no doubt it was the uproar you speak of that prevented me in his turn he then began to talk of the thin partitions and the manner in which the house had been crammed with people until it seemed as though the floors and the walls would collapse with the strain the place had been shaking all night long Every now and then people suddenly rushed along the passages, heavy footfalls resounded, gruff voices ascended nobody knew whence, without speaking of all the moaning and coughing, the frightful coughing which seemed to re-echo from every wall. Throughout the night people evidently came in and went out, got up and laid down again, paying no attention to the hour in the disorder in which they lived, amid shocks of passion which made them hurry to their devotional exercises as to pleasure parties and marie how was she when you left her last night monsieur de garcin suddenly inquired a great deal better replied pierre she had an attack of extreme discouragement but all her courage and faith returned to her at last a pause followed and then the girl's father resumed with his tranquil optimism oh i am not anxious things will go on all right you'll see for my own part i am delighted i had asked the virgin to grant me her protection in my affairs you know my great invention of navigable balloons well suppose i told you that she has already shown me her favour yes indeed yesterday evening while i was talking with abbe d'hermoise he told me that at toulouse he would no doubt be able to find a person to finance me 
one of his friends in fact who is extremely wealthy and takes great interest in mechanics and in this i at once saw the hand of god monsieur de garcin began laughing with his childish laugh and then he added that abbe des is a charming man i shall see this afternoon if there is any means of my accompanying him on an excursion to the cirque de gavarny at small cost pierre who wished to pay everything the hotel bill and all the rest at once encouraged him in this idea of course said he you ought not to miss this opportunity to visit the mountains since you have so great a wish to do so your daughter will be very happy to know that you are pleased their talk however was now interrupted by a servant girl bringing the two cups of chocolate with a couple of rolls on a metal tray covered with a napkin she left the door open as she entered the room so that a glimpse was obtained of some portion of the passage ah they are already doing my neighbour's room exclaimed monsieur de garcin he is a married man isn't he his wife is with him the servant looked astonished oh no she replied he is quite alone quite alone why i heard people talking in his room this morning you must be mistaken monsieur said the servant he has just gone out after giving orders that his room was to be tidied up at once and then while taking the cups of chocolate off the tray and placing them on the table she continued oh he is a very respectable gentleman last year he was able to have one of the little pavilions which monsieur majesté lets out to visitors in the lane by the side of the hotel but this year he applied too late and had to content himself with that room which greatly worried him for it isn't a large one though there is a big cupboard in it as he doesn't care to eat with everybody he takes his meals there and he orders good wine and the best of everything i can tell you that explains it all replied monsieur de garcin gaily he dined too well last night and i must have heard him talking in his sleep pierre had been listening somewhat inquisitively to all this chatter and on this side my side said he isn't there a gentleman with two ladies and a little boy who walks about with a crutch yes monsieur l'abbé i know them the aunt madame chaise took one of the two rooms for herself and monsieur and madame vigneron with their son gustave have had to content themselves with the other one this is the second year they have come to lourdes they are very respectable people too pierre nodded during the night he had fancied he could recognize the voice of monsieur vigneron whom the heat doubtless had incommoded however the servant was now thoroughly started and she began to enumerate the other persons whose rooms were reached by the same passage on the left hand there was a priest then a mother with three daughters and then an old married couple whilst on the right lodged another gentleman who was all alone a young lady too who was unaccompanied and then a family party which included five young children the hotel was crowded to its garrets the servants had had to give up their rooms the previous evening and lie in a heap in the wash-house during the night also some camp bedsteads had even been set up on the landings and one honourable ecclesiastic for lack of other accommodation had been obliged to sleep on a billiard-table when the girl had retired and the two men had drunk their chocolate monsieur de garcin went back into his own room to wash his hands again for he was very careful of his person and pierre who remained alone felt attracted by the gay sunlight and stepped for a moment onto the narrow balcony outside his window each of the third-floor rooms on this side of the hotel was provided with a similar balcony having a carved wood balustrade however the young priest's surprise was very great for he had scarcely stepped outside when he suddenly saw a woman protrude her head over the balcony next to him that of the room occupied by the gentleman whom monsieur de garcin and the servant had been speaking of and this woman he had recognized it was madame volmar 
there was no mistaking her long face with its delicate drawn features its magnificent large eyes those braziers over which a veil a dimming moire seemed to pass at times she gave a start of terror on perceiving him and he extremely ill at ease grieved that he should have frightened her made all haste to withdraw into his apartment a sudden light had dawned upon him and he now understood and could picture everything so this was why she had not been seen at the hospital where little madame des agneaux was always asking for her standing motionless his heart upset pierre fell into a deep reverie reflecting on the life led by this woman whom he knew that torturing conjugal life in paris between a fierce mother-in-law and an unworthy husband and then those three days of complete liberty spent at lourdes that brief bonfire of passion to which she had hastened under the sacrilegious pretext of serving the divinity tears whose cause he could not even explain tears that ascended from the very depths of his being from his own voluntary chastity welled into his eyes amidst the feeling of intense sorrow which came over him well are you ready joyously called monsieur de garcin as he came back with his grey jacket buttoned up and his hands gloved yes yes let us go replied pierre turning aside and pretending to look for his hat so that he might wipe his eyes then they went out and on crossing the threshold heard on their left hand an unctuous voice which they recognized it was that of monsieur vigneron who was loudly repeating the morning prayers a moment afterwards came a meeting which interested them they were walking down the passage when they were passed by a middle-aged thick-set sturdy-looking gentleman wearing carefully trimmed whiskers he bent his back and passed so rapidly that they were unable to distinguish his features but they noticed that he was carrying a carefully made parcel and immediately afterwards he slipped a key into the lock of the room adjoining monsieur de garcin's and opening the door disappeared noiselessly like a shadow monsieur de garcin had glanced around ah my neighbour said he he has been to market and has brought back some delicacies no doubt pierre pretended not to hear for his companion was so light-minded that he did not care to trust him with a secret which was not his own besides a feeling of uneasiness was returning to him a kind of chaste terror at the thought that the world and the flesh were there taking their revenge amidst all the mystical enthusiasm which he could feel around him they reached the hospital just as the patients were being brought out to be carried to the grotto and they found that marie had slept well and was very gay she kissed her father and scolded him when she learnt that he had not yet decided on his trip to gavarny she should really be displeased with him she said if he did not go still with the same restful smiling expression she added that she did not expect to be cured that day and then assuming an air of mystery she begged pierre to obtain permission for her to spend the following night before the grotto this was a favour of which all the sufferers ardently coveted but which only a few favoured ones with difficulty secured after protesting anxious as he felt with regard to the effect which a night spent in the open air might have upon her health the young priest seeing how unhappy she had suddenly become at last promised that he would make the application doubtless she imagined that she would only obtain a hearing from the virgin when they were alone together in the slumbering peacefulness of the night that morning indeed she felt so lost among the innumerable patients who were heaped together in front of the grotto that already at ten o'clock she asked to be taken back to the hospital complaining that the bright light tired her eyes and when her father and the priest had again installed her in the saint honorine ward she gave them their liberty for the remainder of the day no don't come to fetch me she said i shall not go back to the grotto this afternoon it would be useless but you will come for me this evening at nine o'clock won't you pierre it is agreed you have given me your word 
he repeated that he would endeavour to secure the requisite permission and that if necessary he would apply to father fourcade in person then till this evening darling said monsieur de guersin kissing his daughter and he and pierre went off together leaving her lying on her bed with an absorbed expression on her features as her large smiling eyes wandered away into space it was barely half-past ten when they got back to the hotel of the apparitions but monsieur de guersin whom the fine weather delighted talked of having dejeuner at once so that he might the sooner start upon a ramble through lourdes first of all however he wished to go up to his room and pierre following him they met with quite a drama on their way the door of the room occupied by the vignerons was wide open and little gustave could be seen lying on the sofa which served as his bed he was livid a moment previously he had suddenly fainted and this had made the father and mother imagine that the end had come madame vigneron was crouching on a chair still stupefied by her fright whilst monsieur vigneron rushed about the room thrusting everything aside in order that he might prepare a glass of sugared water to which he added a few drops of some elixir this draught he exclaimed would set the lad right again but all the same it was incomprehensible the boy was still strong and to think that he should have fainted like that and have turned as white as a chicken speaking in this wise monsieur vigneron glanced at madame chaise the aunt who was standing in front of the sofa looking in good health that morning and his hands shook yet more violently at the covert idea that if that stupid attack had carried off his son they would no longer have inherited the aunt's fortune he was quite beside himself at this thought and eagerly opening the boy's mouth he compelled him to swallow the entire contents of the glass then however when he heard gustave sigh and saw him open his eyes again his fatherly good nature reappeared and he shed tears and called the lad his dear little fellow but on madame chaise drawing near to offer some assistance gustave repulsed her with a sudden gesture of hatred as though he understood how this woman's money unconsciously perverted his parents who after all were worthy folks greatly offended the old lady turned on her heel and seated herself in a corner whilst the father and mother at last freed from their anxiety returned thanks to the blessed virgin for having preserved their darling who smiled at them with his intelligent and infinitely sorrowful smile knowing and understanding everything as he did and no longer having any taste for life although he was not fifteen can we be of any help to you asked pierre in an obliging way no no i thank you gentlemen replied monsieur vigneron coming for a moment into the passage but oh we did have a fright think of it an only son who was so dear to us too all around them the approach of the dejeuner hour was now throwing the house into commotion every door was banging and the passages and the staircase resounded with the constant pitter-patter of feet three big girls passed by raising a current of air with the sweep of their skirts some little children were crying in a neighbouring room then there were old people who seemed quite scared and distracted priests who forgetting their calling caught up their cassocks with both hands so that they might run the faster to the dining-room from the top to the bottom of the house one could feel the floors shaking under the excessive weight of all the people who were packed inside the hotel oh i hope that it is all over now and that the blessed virgin will cure him repeated monsieur vigneron before allowing his neighbours to retire we are going downstairs for i must confess that all this has made me feel faint I need something to eat i am terribly hungry when pierre and monsieur de guersin at last left their rooms and went downstairs they found to their annoyance that there was not the smallest table corner vacant in the large dining-room a most extraordinary mob had assembled there and the few seats that were still unoccupied were reserved a waiter informed them that the room never emptied between ten and one o'clock 
such was the rush of appetite sharpened by the keen mountain air so they had to resign themselves to wait requesting the waiter to warn them as soon as there should be a couple of vacant places then scarcely knowing what to do with themselves they went to walk about the hotel porch whence there was a view of the street along which the townsfolk in their sunday best streamed without a pause all at once however the landlord of the hotel of the apparitions master majeste in person appeared before them clad in white from head to foot and with a great show of politeness he inquired if the gentlemen would like to wait in the drawing-room he was a stout man of five-and-forty and strove to bear the burden of his name in a right royal fashion bald and clean-shaven with round blue eyes in a waxy face displaying three superposed chins he always deported himself with much dignity he had come from nevers with the sisters who managed the orphan asylum and was married to a dusky little woman a native of lourdes in less than fifteen years they had made their hotel one of the most substantial and best patronized establishments in the town of recent times moreover they had started a business in religious articles installed in a large shop on the left of the hotel porch and managed by a young niece under madame majeste's supervision you can wait in the drawing-room gentlemen again suggested the hotel-keeper whom pierre's cassock rendered very attentive they replied however that they preferred to walk about and wait in the open air and thereupon majeste would not leave them but deigned to chat with them for a moment as he was wont to do with those of his customers whom he desired to honour the conversation turned at first on the procession which would take place that night and which promised to be a superb spectacle as the weather was so fine there were more than fifty thousand strangers gathered together in lourdes that day for visitors had come in from all the neighbouring bathing stations this explained the crush at the table d'hote possibly the town would run short of bread as had been the case the previous year you saw what a scramble there is concluded majeste we really don't know how to manage it isn't my fault i assure you if you are kept waiting for a short time at this moment however a postman arrived with a large batch of newspapers and letters which he deposited on a table in the office he had kept one letter in his hand and inquired of the landlord have you a madame mars here madame mars madame mars repeated the hotel-keeper no no certainly not pierre had heard both question and answer and drawing near he exclaimed i know of a madame mars who must be lodging with the sisters of the immaculate conception the blue sisters as people call them here i think the postman thanked him for the information and went off but a somewhat bitter smile had risen to majeste's lips the blue sisters he muttered oh the blue sisters then darting a side glance at pierre's cassock he stopped short as though he feared that he might say too much yet his heart was overflowing he would have greatly liked to ease his feelings and this young priest from paris who looked so liberal-minded could not be one of the band as he called all those who discharged functions at the grotto and coined money out of our lady of lourdes accordingly little by little he ventured to speak out i am a good christian i assure you monsieur l'abbé he said he in fact we are all good christians here and i am a regular worshipper and take the sacrament every easter but really i must say that members of a religious community ought not to keep hotels no no it isn't right and thereupon he vented all the spite of a tradesman in presence of what he considered to be disloyal competition ought not those blue sisters those sisters of the immaculate conception to have confined themselves to their real functions to the manufacture of wafers for sacramental purposes and the repairing and washing of church linen instead of that however they had transformed their convent into a vast hostelry where ladies who came to lourdes unaccompanied found separate rooms and were able to take their meals either in privacy or in a general dining-room 
everything was certainly very clean very well organized and very inexpensive thanks to the thousand advantages which the sisters enjoyed in fact no hotel at lourdes did so much business but all the same continued majesty i ask you if it is proper to think of nuns selling victuals besides i must tell you that the lady superior is really a clever woman and as soon as she saw the stream of fortune rolling in she wanted to keep it all for her own community and resolutely parted from the fathers of the grotto who wanted to lay their hands on it yes monsieur l'abbé she even went to rome and gained her cause there so that now she pockets all the money that her bills bring in think of it nuns yes nuns mon dieu letting furnished rooms and keeping a table d'hôte he raised his arms to heaven he was stifling with envy and vexation but as your house is crammed pierre gently objected as you no longer have either a bed or a plate at anybody's disposal where would you put any additional visitors who might arrive here majesté at once began protesting ah oh, monsieur l'abbé said he one can see very well that you don't know the place it's quite true that there is work for all of us and that nobody has reason to complain during the national pilgrimage but that only lasts four or five days and in ordinary times the custom we secure isn't nearly so great for myself thank heaven i am always satisfied my house is well known it occupies the same rank as the hotel of the grotto where two landlords have already made their fortunes but no matter it is vexing to see those blue sisters taking all the cream of the custom for instance the ladies of the bourgeoisie who spend a fortnight and three weeks here at a stretch and that too just in the quiet season when there are not many people here you understand don't you there are people of position who dislike uproar they go by themselves to the grotto and pray there all day long for days together and pay good prices for their accommodation without any higgling madame majesty whom pierre and monsieur de garcin had not noticed leaning over an account book in which she was adding up some figures thereupon intervened in a shrill voice we had a customer like that gentlemen who stayed here for two months last year she went to the grotto came back went there again took her meals and went to bed and never did we have a word of complaint from her she was always smiling as though to say that she found everything very nice she paid her bill too without even looking at it ah one regrets people of that kind short thin very dark and dressed in black with a little white collar madame majesté had risen to her feet and she now began to solicit custom if you would like to buy a few little souvenirs of lourdes before you leave gentlemen i hope that you will not forget us we have a shop close by where you will find an assortment of all the articles that are most in request as a rule the persons who stay here are kind enough not to deal elsewhere however majesté was again wagging his head with the air of a good christian saddened by the scandals of the time certainly said he i don't want to show any disrespect to the reverend fathers but it must in all truth be admitted that they are too greedy you must have seen the shop which they have set up near the grotto that shop which is always crowded and where tapers and articles of piety are sold a bishop declared that it was shameful and that the buyers and sellers ought to be driven out of the temple afresh it is said too that the fathers run that big shop yonder just across the street which supplies all the petty dealers in the town and according to the reports which circulate they have a finger in all the trade in religious articles and levy a percentage on the millions of chaplets statuettes and medals which are sold every year at lourdes majesté had now lowered his voice for his accusations were becoming precise and he ended by trembling somewhat at his imprudence in talking so confidentially to strangers however the expression of pierre's gentle attentive face reassured him and so he continued with the passion of a wounded rival 
resolved to go on to the very end i am willing to admit said he that there is some exaggeration in all this but none the less it does religion no good for people to see the reverend fathers keeping shops like us tradesmen for my part of course i don't go and ask for a share of the money which they make by their masses or a percentage on the presents which they receive so why should they start selling what i sell our business was a poor one last year owing to them there are already too many of us nowadays everyone at lourdes sells religious articles to such an extent in fact that there will soon be no butchers or wine merchants left nothing but bread to eat and water to drink ah monsieur l'abbé it is no doubt nice to have the blessed virgin with us but things are none the less very bad at times a person staying at the hotel at that moment disturbed him but he returned just as a young girl came in search of madame majesté the damsel who evidently belonged to lourdes was very pretty small but plump with beautiful black hair and a round face full of bright gaiety that is our niece apolline resumed majesté she has been keeping our shop for two years past she is the daughter of one of my wife's brothers who is in poor circumstances she was keeping sheep at Ossin, in the neighbourhood of bartres when we were struck by her intelligence and nice looks and decided to bring her here and we don't repent having done so for she has a great deal of merit and has become a very good saleswoman a point to which he omitted to refer was that there were rumours current of somewhat flighty conduct on mademoiselle apolline's part but she undoubtedly had her value she attracted customers by the power possibly of her large black eyes which smiled so readily during his sojourn at lourdes the previous year gerard de perlongue had scarcely stirred from the shop she managed and doubtless it was only the matrimonial ideas now flitting through his head that prevented him from returning thither it seemed as though the abbe des hermoises had taken his place for this gallant ecclesiastic brought a great many ladies to make purchases at the repository ah you are speaking of apolline said madame majesté at that moment coming back from the shop have you noticed one thing about her gentlemen her extraordinary likeness to bernadette there on the wall yonder is a photograph of bernadette when she was eighteen years old pierre and monsieur de guersin drew near to examine the portrait whilst majesté exclaimed bernadette yes certainly she was rather like apolline but not nearly so nice she looked so sad and poor he would doubtless have gone on chattering but just then the waiter appeared and announced that there was at last a little table vacant monsieur de guersin had twice gone to glance inside the dining-room for he was eager to have his dejeuner and spend the remainder of that fine sunday out of doors so he now hastened away without paying any further attention to majesté who remarked with an amiable smile that the gentleman had not had so very long to wait after all to reach the table mentioned by the waiter the architect and pierre had to cross the dining-room from end to end it was a long apartment a painted a light oak colour an oily yellow which was already peeling away in places and soiled with stains in others he realized that rapid wear and tear went on here amidst the continual scramble of the big eaters who sat down at table the only ornaments were a gilt zinc clock and a couple of meagre candelabra on the mantelpiece guipure curtains moreover hung at the five large windows looking on to the street which was flooded with sunshine some of the ardent arrow-like rays penetrating into the room although the blinds had been lowered and in the middle of the apartment some forty persons were packed together at the table d'hote which was scarcely eleven yards in length and did not supply proper accommodation for more than thirty people whilst at the little table standing against the walls upon either side another forty persons sat close together hustled by the three waiters each time that they went by 
you had scarcely reached the threshold before you were deafened by the extraordinary uproar the noise of voices and the clatter of forks and plates and it seemed too as if you were entering a damp oven for a warm steamy mist laden with a suffocating smell of victuals assailed the face pierre at first failed to distinguish anything but when he was installed at the little table a garden table which had been brought indoors for the occasion and on which there was scarcely room for two covers he felt quite upset almost sick in fact at the sight presented by the table d'hote which his glance now enfiladed from end to end people had been eating at it for an hour already two sets of customers had followed one upon the other and the covers were strewn about in higgledy-biggledy fashion on the cloth were numerous stains of wine and sauce and there was even no symmetry in the arrangement of the glass fruit stands which formed the only decorations of the table then one's astonishment increased at the sight of the motley mob which was collected there huge priests scraggy girls mothers overflowing with superfluous fat gentlemen with red faces and families ranged in rows and displaying all the pitiable increasing ugliness of successive generations all these people were perspiring greedily swallowing seated slantwise lacking room to move their arms and unable even to use their hands deftly and amidst this display of appetite increased tenfold by fatigue and of eager haste to fill one's stomach in order to return to the grotto more quickly there was a corpulent ecclesiastic who in no wise hurried but ate of every dish with prudent slowness crunching his food with a ceaseless dignified movement of the jaws fichtre exclaimed monsieur de guersin it is by no means cool in here all the same i shall be glad of something to eat for i've felt a sinking in the stomach ever since i have been at lourdes and you are you hungry yes yes i shall eat replied pierre though truth to tell he felt quite upset the menu was a copious one there was salmon an omelette mutton cutlets with mashed potatoes stewed kidneys cauliflowers cold meats and apricot tarts everything cooked too much and swimming in sauce which but for its grittiness would have been flavourless however there was some fairly fine fruit on the glass stands particularly some peaches and besides the people did not seem at all difficult to please they apparently had no palates for there was no sign of nausea hemmed in between an old priest and a dirty full-bearded man a girl of delicate build who looked very pretty with her soft eyes and silken skin was eating some kidneys with an expression of absolute beatitude although the so-called sauce in which they swam was simply greyish water hum resumed even monsieur de guersin this salmon is not so bad add a little salt to it and you will find it all right pierre made up his mind to eat for after all he must take sustenance for strength's sake at a little table close by however he had just caught sight of madame vigneron and madame chaise who sat face to face apparently waiting and indeed monsieur vigneron and his son gustave soon appeared the latter still pale and leaning more heavily than usual on his crutch sit down next to your aunt said his father i will take the chair beside your mother but just then he perceived his two neighbours and stepping up to them he added oh he is now all right again i have been rubbing him with some eau de cologne and by and by he will be able to take his bath at the piscina thereupon m vigneron sat down and began to devour but what an awful fright he had had he again began talking of it aloud despite himself so intense had been his terror at the thought that the lad might go off before his aunt the latter related that whilst she was kneeling at the grotto the day before she had experienced a sudden feeling of relief in fact she flattered herself that she was cured of her heart complaint 
and began giving precise particulars to which her brother-in-law listened with dilated eyes full of involuntary anxiety most certainly he was a good-natured man he had never desired anybody's death only he felt indignant at the idea that the virgin might cure this old woman and forget his son who was so young talking and eating he had got to the cutlets and was swallowing the mashed potatoes by the forkful when he fancied he could detect that madame chaise was sulking with her nephew gustave he suddenly inquired have you asked your aunt's forgiveness the lad quite astonished began staring at his father with his large clear eyes yes added m vigneron you behaved very badly you pushed her back just now when she wanted to help you to sit up madame chaise said nothing but waited with a dignified air whilst gustave who without any show of appetite was finishing the noir of his cutlet which had been cut into small pieces remained with his eyes lowered on his plate this time obstinately refusing to make the sorry show of affection which was demanded of him come gustave resumed his father be a good boy you know how kind your aunt is and all that she intends to do for you but no he would not yield at that moment indeed he really hated that woman who did not die quickly enough who polluted the affection of his parents to such a point that when he saw them surround him with attentions he no longer knew whether it were himself or the inheritance which his life represented that they wished to save however madame vigneron so dignified in her demeanour came to her husband's help you really grieve me gustave said she ask your aunt's forgiveness or you will make me quite angry with you thereupon he gave way what was the use of resisting was it not better that his parents should obtain that money would he not himself die later on so as to suit the family convenience he was aware of all this he understood everything even when not a word was spoken so keen was the sense of hearing with which suffering had endowed him that he even heard the other's thoughts i beg your pardon aunt he said for not having behaved well to you just now then two big tears rolled down from his eyes whilst he smiled with the air of a tender-hearted man who has seen too much of life and can no longer be deceived by anything madame chaise at once kissed him and told him that she was not at all angry and the vigneron's delight in living was displayed in all candour if the kidneys are not up to much monsieur de guersin now said to pierre here at all events are some cauliflowers with a good flavour the formidable mastication was still going on around them pierre had never seen such an amount of eating amidst such perspiration in an atmosphere as stifling as that of a wash-house full of hot steam the odour of the victuals seemed to thicken into a kind of smoke you had to shout to make yourself heard for everybody was talking in loud tones and the scared waiters raised a fearful clatter in changing the plates and forks not to mention the noise of all the jaw crunching a mill-like grinding which was distinctly audible what most hurt the feelings of the young priest however was the extraordinary promiscuity of the table d'hote at which men and women young girls and ecclesiastics were packed together in chance order and satisfied their hunger like a pack of hounds snapping at offal in all haste baskets of bread went round and were promptly emptied and there was a perfect massacre of cold meats all the remnants of the victuals of the day before leg of mutton veal and ham encompassed by a fallen mass of transparent jelly which quivered like soft glue they had all eaten too much already but these viands seemed to whet their appetites afresh as though the idea had come to them that nothing whatever ought to be left the fat priest in the middle of the table who had shown himself such a capital knife and fork was now lingering over the fruit having just got to his third peach a huge one which he slowly peeled and swallowed in slices with an air of compunction all at once however the whole room was thrown into agitation 
a waiter had come in and begun distributing the letters which madame majesté had finished sorting hallo exclaimed monsieur vigneron a letter for me this is surprising i did not give my address to anybody then at a sudden recollection he added yes i did though this must have come from sauvageot who was filling my place at the ministry he opened the letter his hands began to tremble and suddenly he raised a cry the chief clerk is dead deeply agitated madame vigneron was also unable to bridle her tongue then you will have the appointment this was the secret dream in which they had so long and so fondly indulged the chief clerk's death in order that he vigneron assistant chief clerk for ten years past might at last rise to the supreme post the bureaucratic marshalship and so great was his delight that he cast aside all restraint ah oh, the blessed virgin is certainly protecting me my dear only this morning i again prayed to her for a rise and you see she grants my prayer however finding madame chaise's eyes fixed upon his own and seeing gustave smile he realized that he ought not to exult in this fashion each member of the family no doubt thought of his or her interests and prayed to the blessed virgin for such personal favors as might be desired and so again putting on his good-natured air he resumed i mean that the blessed virgin takes an interest in every one of us and will send us all home well satisfied ah the poor chief i'm sorry for him i shall have to send my card to his widow in spite of all his efforts he could not restrain his exultation and no longer doubted that his most secret desires those which he did not even confess to himself would soon be gratified and so all honour was done to the apricot tarts even gustave being allowed to eat a portion of one it is surprising now remarked monsieur de guersin who had just ordered a cup of coffee it is surprising that one doesn't see more sick people here all these folks seem to me to have first-rate appetites after a close inspection however in addition to gustave who ate no more than a little chicken he ended by finding a man with a goiter seated at the table d'hote between two women one of whom certainly suffered from cancer farther on too there was a girl so thin and pale that she must surely be a consumptive and still farther away there was a female idiot who had made her entry leaning on two relatives and with expressionless eyes and lifeless features was now carrying her food to her mouth with a spoon and slobbering over her napkin perhaps there were yet other ailing ones present who could not be distinguished among all those noisy appetites ailing ones whom the journey had braced and who were eating as they had not eaten for a long time past the apricot tarts the cheese the fruits were all engulfed amidst the increasing disorder of the table where at last there only remained the stains of all the wine and sauce which had been spilt upon the cloth it was nearly noon we will go back to the grotto at once eh said monsieur vigneron indeed to the grotto to the grotto were well nigh the only words you now heard the full mouths were eagerly masticating and swallowing in order that they might repeat prayers and hymns again with all speed well as we have the whole afternoon before us declared monsieur de guersin i suggest that we should visit the town a little i want to see also if i can get a conveyance for my excursion as my daughter so particularly wishes me to make it pierre who was stifling was glad indeed to leave the dining-room in the porch he was able to breathe again though even there he found a torrent of customers new arrivals who were waiting for places no sooner did one of the little tables become vacant than its possession was eagerly contested whilst the smallest gap at the table d'hote was instantly filled up in this wise the assault would continue for more than another hour and again would the different courses of the menu appear in procession to be engulfed amidst the crunching of jaws the stifling heat and the growing nausea
End of section 11.